I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Reflections episode on Troy Sampson. I'm here, of course, with my partner in crime, Frankie C. Frankie C., what up? What's up, Dave? How you doing? Oh, I'm good, buddy. I'm real good. What are you doing? What's up with you? What's new and exciting in your world? Um, I had jury duty this week. That was interesting, what? to say the least. What? Yes, it was an attempted murder trial. It was kind of crazy, That's actually. intense. I was expecting to go in for like an hour, and it was like a whole three-day event. Um, but yeah, I learned a lot about our court system process, and... I actually am glad that I did it. So it wasn't a completely negative experience. How was your relationship with your fellow jurors? It was fine. I mean, it's really strange to like get in a room with a bunch of strangers and debate something very vehemently and then be like, all right, bye. Have a nice life. Like, never see you again. <laughs> so it's it was... Uh, did things get pretty hot and like, did things get pretty like intense? Oh my God, yes. Like we were full on really? debating. Yes, it got it got pretty. There were like four of us that took one hard stance and then four other people took another hard stance and we just kind of went at it at, at each other for two hours. Oh my God. It was kind of fun. Do you, think, do you think anything, did you sway people? Is it like, did you actually win them over or did they win you over or what? No, I mean the side that I was on ended up kind of compromising. So I don't think we, you know, quote unquote one um nobody won you know it was it was a, a sad trial but at the same time yeah that's you know true. That's um true. we at some point you just have to say okay is it worth sitting here and, and arguing my side any longer or should i just back down and we can reach a compromise so everyone can go about their lives so that's what we did unbelievable so it was a positive experience overall it was a positive experience overall yeah I thought I was going to want to get out crazy. of it. There was some musician who sat next to me that was like, I'm going to lose work. And they let him off. And I was like, man, that's all I had to do. <laughs> I didn't I didn't complain correctly huh. to get out of it. But I'm happy I did it. So it was did good. They, did they go through the like where it's like 50 of you and then you're like whittled down to 12 or whatever? Yes, they did. They, they na- narrowed it down from a group of like 100 people to begin with. Holy moly. Yeah. Well, that's crazy. What an interesting experience that must have been. It was interesting. I'd do it again. I've never been called for jury duty before, but it's funny, another buddy of mine, like within the last two weeks, got called for it. So you're the second buddy of mine that has been called for jury duty. It's Something's in the air. It's jury there duty you time. You know what's in the air up in Canada? What's in the air is awards season because it was just recently 
the Canadian Country Music Awards. And that is a really big party. And what's really interesting about the Canadian Country Music Awards is that our, our, one of our guests, Audi, was nominated for director, Music Director of the Year. Woohoo! So exciting. That's pretty impressive. I know. So great for her. She, you know, Crystal's so interesting because she like, she's an artist and then now she's gotten into directing and she's doing so well and people love her work. And then she gets like literally within, I don't know, a year and a half of her ever directing her first video. She's nominated for video of the year. I find that really incredible. That is so incredible. And we had another Everybody Sucks guest, Brandy from Nice Horse. They played the first evening of the CCMAs. Yes, they did. So lots of everybody sucks representing this year. Yes, absolutely. I, I have a feeling within a couple seasons, the, it'll be like the entire everybody sucks Canadian guest roster will be somehow involved with the CCMAs. I, I, I need to, I want to go sometime. Party. Yes. I tell you what, I really want you and of course our boy Tom Pino and, and a few of our, the Americans to come up and experience it. Cause it is a, you know, like I know there's CMAs and stuff like that in Nashville, but the CCMAs are truly a party. Like it's just all the artists, all the creatives going to party to party together. And it's just a real cool time. And it's like, there's label parties, but it's still like a lot of people go together and, and it's a, it's a real quite, quite a thing, quite a community party. If, if I say so. Well, cool. Well, I await the day where we'll all be up there partying together and you know it's interesting talking about awards because it sounds like there's a certain artist that might never be nominated for another country award again and that is Marin Morris because I don't know if you heard this but she recently announced she's going to leave country music or she hinted at or suggested she is done with country music did you hear this I did it's so crazy I'm such a huge Marin Morris fan but I also, I'm a Me pop too. lover. I feel like she's always kind of been welcomed by the pop community. So if she feels like that's, you know, that she doesn't want to be in country anymore, like I'm like, yes, I'll support her no matter what. But I'm curious as to the reasons. Yeah, I think one article I read said that she it had to do with her views not being aligned with the current country industry. Yes, exactly. She she was very she was pretty clear that she felt, you know, the misogyny in the industry, yep. the uh lack of support for LGBTQ the community. Yep. I, I think all that really threw her off. And it's interesting she made a really interesting comment about songs like Jason Aldean's um Try That in a Small Town and um, and a couple of other songs. And her position is that those songs aren't popular because of the music. They're popular because it's more of an anti-left stance and people are more embracing them from a political perspective, not a musical perspective. And I find that really weird or a little, I find that a bit interesting because music has always been political. So I don't know if you can truly separate, like if someone's listening to a Jason Aldean song because those are their values or it says something that resonates with them, that is kind of what music is too, you know? So mm -hmm. that, that part of it, I was a little bit like, well, welcome to rock and roll, you know? Yeah, it, it is weird, like, and I know that it's opposite in um, Canada in terms of like what, you know, left and right means, but True. country music here in the U.S. does tend to generally lean right politically. Yep. 
I mean, that's just been the way it is. I mean, when you think about what happened with the Dixie Chicks, now the Chicks. Yeah, I know. You know, yep. they spoke against a, a president and then their entire fan base was burning their CDs. The country music crowd does tend to lean right. It, it can be weird to try to have left political beliefs and work in this industry, especially when you're trying to keep fans and not shun them. It can make you feel like you're biting your tongue. And I'm I'm sure she's been at those crossroads for a while now with everything going on. Yeah, that's a actually that's really well said. I, I and, and I mean you know and, and Mara Morris has never really been one to bite her tongue. I mean, I'm sure she's had to several several times, but she's also been outspoken on her position on right. various issues. Um, it, it is an I think it is true though. I think if you are in an industry that you are at the pinnacle of it and you don't feel welcome in it because of your personal views, I can only imagine how hard it must be to continue to be like, yeah, I love country music, like I love country radio. Meanwhile, you know, behind the scenes, you know, you don't feel like they love you. In fact, they feel like you're just kind of an annoying, talk too much kind of person, or you're too political, or you're too left, or or you're too woke, or whatever the terms they use. I think it'd be very difficult. You know, very difficult. I can't tell you how many times I've been in a right with an artist who wants to say a line a certain way, but realizes, well, I can't because, you know, my fan base isn't going to like this. And they feel like they can't be themselves mm. because they kind of have to fit in this box of what a country artist should be. Um, and I, I think that yeah. it, it would be nice for that not to be a thing. Um, but it is. Yeah, I think I will say... You know, it's not all doom and gloom, in my opinion, because I, I agree with you. I have been in many rights where that has been something that we've had to like the writers have had discussions about saying, OK, is this too, you know, is this too kind of pushing the buttons of people? And I've also been in rights and I'm sure you have with people who are very much like saying things that you personally don't agree with <laughs> at all as well, you know. Um, but I will say that at, I just feel like the more new people that come into the genre and are discovered you know and and are like and make it the next generation they're they're just always a lot more you know liberal and a lot more forgiving and a lot more accepting of people you know and i just i know that or i feel that very slowly but i think surely country music is becoming wider and more accepting i think that it's just one of those bastions of music that move a lot slower than everywhere else yeah yeah i mean i think uh i think it you know you just want to be you want to be in a genre that you feel you know you feel welcome in that's all and uh if things don't align with your values that's not necessarily a bad thing but if you feel that that misalignment is actually affecting your you know your success or your happiness, then you got to do what's right for you. And the thing is, like you said, you know, Marin Morris does have the pop chops. So there's, there's no reason she can't be very successful in pop. You know, I will follow her no matter what, no matter where she goes. Me too. So, Hey, there you go. Yeah. All the power to you, Marin Morris. Um, it's interesting. Speaking of sort of like values and alignments, there was a super dramatic, well, it's not, dramatic but it was interesting there was some drama because the co-founder of rolling stone magazine a guy last name man i think jan man or something like that um he uh jan wenner actually venner or yet wenner i'm not sure if they say it in the german way um he released this book right 
And it was a book about all, it was sort of a book that was his personal reflections of rock and roll, like kind of like he was trying to create a book that the of all the interviews he did with all the artists, he sort of wanted to select the ones that to him most represented rock and roll. The problem was the book came out and it was all white dudes. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. And people were like, well, well, where, like, where are the women? Where are the, where are the black, where are black people? Right. And he was like, and he literally started using words. And I, I, I don't know if I have the quote, so I may butcher it. Oh, I do. He said, um, um, I want to read to you what, what I got from this. Uh, there's a CNN article I read and he said, um, uh, he goes like this. He goes, Stevie wonder genius, right? I suppose when you use a word as broad as masters, the fault is using that word. Maybe Marvin Gaye or Curtis Mayfield. I mean, they just didn't articulate at that level. So he's sort of referring to this like lack of articulation of some of the most prominent black artists still alive. And then he says, and I continue for public relations sake, Maybe I should have gone and found one black and one woman artist to include here that didn't measure up to that same historical standard just to avert this kind of criticism. Maybe I'm old fashioned and I don't give a expletive or whatever. I wish in retrospect I could have interviewed Marvin Gaye. Maybe he'd have been the guy. Maybe Otis Redding had he lived would have been the guy. So basically he's kind of suggesting that there's no living woman or black artist who fits his master's concept. I mean, it's fucking I'm going to fall out of my chair. You know, not Stevie Nicks, the queen of rock and roll. Yeah, like what? Like are you telling me you can't find one single woman that you've interviewed that is quote unquote articulate enough to get in your book? I mean, man, there's like... I get like, okay, maybe some of these interviews that you did put in the book were so important to you. Like, fine, put them in the book. But you got to read the room a little bit. Like, you cannot just sort of say, I'm the co-founder of Rolling Stones. I have a lot of, you know, sway in the rock and roll world. And I'm going to release a book that says, here are the masters that I've interviewed. And not one of them is a woman or a person of color. We've got to be past this by now. Like, there's, there's... You think so. There's so many other amazing choices that could have been interviewed. How many interviews were in it? I'm so curious. Like, I know I didn't. I didn't. You I can't didn't find see. But it was one. Like, you know, it was like, yeah, it was like David Bowie, Bob Dylan. You know, blah blah blah. Like, you know, the classics in that sense. You know, I think Paul McCartney, who's you know Paul's your boy. But and the requirement was like, that they had to be alive so that they could be interviewed. I don't see this is what I don't understand because Bowie is clearly not alive. So I don't understand. That's what I don't you know, understand. Like, like That's what I don't understand. <laughs> see? See, it sounds like an excuse that understand. you can't it sounds like an excuse that you can't back up. Like you're saying, well, this person had to be alive and articulate, and yet you have people that aren't even alive in the interview. Here's the thing for me. Well, here here's the thing for me. Whatever your criteria are, 
if you are go- if you are like in a position where you are you know you're the co-founder of Rolling Stone magazine, right? So you clearly like are a central, you know, you're part of the zeitgeist of what rock and roll was and is. You are putting a book together. You have a responsibility to say, I need to reflect w- rock and roll, and rock and roll is not just white men right like you you have to sit there right. and go okay we need to show how rock and roll has been forged by all of these personalities and all these genders and all these races and ethnicities and cultures etc like that just should be an automatic discussion on day one like how is the publisher not being like uh where are where is everybody else yeah rock and roll wasn't even fully started by just white men well fuck right chuck, yeah white men chuck berry it, frankly like yeah <laughs> you know like yeah. right exactly it was sort of like a genre that was like you know in some ways just like taken <laughs> by the white man so yeah. it's just crazy yes. to me that it's like okay and now all the the people that get credit for it are gonna be i know and these, this is and you know days. what frankie this is the thing that bugs me is that this is where when people like kind of people are like they don't believe in the concept of systemic racism this is where that comes out it's like yeah you didn't mean to be overtly racist but you're sort of the system that you you're thinking about is so exclusive you know not just systemic racism i should say systemic misogyny too right systemic sexism like this is mm-hmm. deeper than just like this guy made a mistake this is he's just like he's thinking in a construct that just doesn't include women or persons of color and that is systemic that's what like that's when people are like this is bigger than just like you're you're personally you personally might not be racist but if you're kind of putting a book together about rock and roll and you don't you don't think that women and persons of color should be in it i'm sorry that's 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 systemic racist that's systemic sexist i hate it i'm sorry to i'm sorry <laughs> to bring that I'm sorry to bring this. Just no, it's just shocking, right? It's just freaking shocking. It's like shocking, but it's not. You know, it's like oh, okay, here we go. <laughs> and you know how much you know we've talked about this, and and how much it's been talked about in our industry. You know, country music is a really good example, right? How much women are struggling still to be recognized on par with men. So it's just like this is just another brick on that wall of like fuck everybody. Like when when is it just gonna be like? When is it just going to be normalized that we're just like everyone's in the same pot, you know? Everyone's in the same part. They're they're part of the same party, you know? I don't know. We're we're talking about a whole bunch of intense things today, like that all kind of are connected. I'm gonna go have a existential crisis here shortly. <laughs> I'm gonna go have an existential whiskey after this. That sounds great. <laughs> but you know what? You know what? Let's talk about something positive, and that is Troy. our lovely friend Troy. Cause he, I love. First of all, him. I just I loved having him too. I love his voice, by the way. Because when you listen to the episode, he's really calm and he makes me relaxed. He's very slow and and, and deliberate with his words. I I really enjoyed in the interview just hearing like a producer songwriter's perspective. You know, yeah. somebody who kind of does both of those things and that balance between the two and how one can lead to the other. I found that all very inspirational since that's sort of the lane that that I'm in. Um, I just kind of liked hearing his whole journey with that. Yeah, actually, it's funny because I thought you guys really connected, to be honest. Um, even in like, some of the Troy. stuff that didn't make... <laughs> yeah, I, I, I really did. Like, I, I was like, we, we'd be sitting there... And even some of the stuff that didn't make the cut like was just sort of like offhand talking, like sort of side talks and stuff. You guys started like going... I think you went down some gearhead rabbit holes and like... Yes, I, yeah. I was like, I holy cut, shit, I cut these some people. of that back, Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, that's okay because I mean, like, like so many listeners are like, I don't know what they're talking about, but you guys are clearly like on the same sort of level with so much, and you know, and I think actually it's funny because at, by the end of that interview, I didn't realize how much your and Troy's jobs are very similar. You know, musically, like you guys kind of work in the same sort of realm. You kind of have the same approach to like the top lining and the pop music and things like that. It was kind of interesting. It was sort of, I didn't think about it before. And then after the interview, I was like, oh yeah, I could, they're definitely on the same level in, in regards to like where they're going in their directions. Right. Yeah. A lot of similarities. I feel like, you know, he has done so many cool things and, um, you know, with, with working as a producer in Germany and now mm-hmm. doing A&R um, and EDM. Yeah. You know, just the fact yep. that he's been able to move through different genres and jobs um, it was really, really cool to see and inspiring for me because, yeah, I kind of do the same thing. So I'm like, ooh, maybe I could yeah. do that. You know, maybe I could do A&R. Yeah. Maybe I could go work in Europe for a year. So, yeah, it was it was a fun conversation. Yeah. Dude, no, I know. And I I mean, I, I think you can do all those things. I think you will do all those yeah. things. The hey, by the way, oyster. and you can you can you can keep this in the podcast or throw it out, but how was the weekend working on the musical? I wanted to ask you. Oh oh my god, it was so great. Like it was really cool. This is the seventh draft of Dandelion the musical Holy that we've worked Lord. on. So um and it, we kind of took a break after twenty twenty. And so this was sort of our our first time digging it back up and we made so many amazing changes and it just flows a lot better now and I'm really excited we're going to be putting it on in August of 2024 in Columbia, South Carolina. That oh yes, that's right. Yes, we're getting excited. Man, August 24, eh? God, mm-hmm. yep. I wonder if there was any way I could ever make it down to South Carolina in, in August and see that. Well, if, That'd you're, be amazing. if you're in Nashville at the time, then you can hop well, in Well, that's my an car. easy one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. All right, so that's cool. I'm glad to hear that it went so well. Yeah. Um, and, and that speaks, by the way, that speaks to like this experiences thing. Now, not that Troy has written a musical, though I wouldn't put it past him one day to do it because he seems to want to do everything. I would listen to it, that musical. <laughs> <laughs> it'd, be so, it'd be a rap musical. It'd be like Hamilton or something like that. Uh, yeah. But it, he was he, his old experiences were so great. Um, I will say one of the things that really stood out to me, I re-listened to the episode this morning, and one of the things that really like rung a bell, one of his um, three pieces of advice, if you remember, was don't like don't ex- don't be too attached to the right. Yeah. Oh my Do you god. Remember that? Yeah, and that just have a good time because you can just say, hey, you know. At- Maybe we didn't write the best song in the world, which like, and not everyone can be great, but the yeah. fact that you can just walk away and say, "Hey, we had a good time," is really that, more important. That's the first time anyone in our big finale has said that, and that is something that I have to continually remind myself. That's something that I have to work on because, you know, I think we think when we go in, we want the best thing to ever come out of it. And it just doesn't always work. Not every right's going to be great. Not every right's going to be, not every right, the song's going to be great. But the hope is like, like Troy said, is that, Hey, did we have a good time though? And that good time might lead to another right, which in turn might lead to that great song. You know, he also said something that I loved, which was learning to say no was important for him. And that resonated with me. I would love to say yes to everybody. And I often do when I should probably say no. And um, he's right. When you say no to certain things, then that allows you to say yes to but newer and better things. And um, 
I just really enjoyed that piece of advice as well. Yeah, it was nice to nice to hear. I thought he, there were really well thought out pieces of advice. Woohoo! Thank you, Troy, for giving us all that awesome advice. Yeah, thank you, Troy, for the for the great interview. We really enjoyed. I, you know, what I want to say one last thing is that Troy gave me like Michael August vibes because he was such a nice guy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like being genuinely nice goes a long way. It really does. It goes a long way. And you know, for those out there in podcast land, me and Frankie genuinely love doing these reflections and these episodes for you. So for everybody out there in podcast land, I'm David Boris. And I'm Frankie C. And remember, everybody everybody sucks. sucks.